Welcome to Your New Life Blend. I'm your host, Shoshana Hecht, and I'm super excited about our guest today, Lindsay Pollock, a career and workplace expert, also a New York Times bestselling author, and really just one of the world's leading career experts. She is passionate about helping individuals and organizations navigate and thrive in the ever-changing world of work. Lindsay was named to the 2020 Thinkers 50 Radar List which honors top global management thinkers whose work is shaping the future of how organizations are managed and led. And she's a published author multiple times over. Her most recent book is a response to the COVID crisis entitled Recalculating Navigate Your Career Through the Changing World of Work. It's published in March of 2021 by HarperCollins. And she speaks broadly, has appeared in many, many media outlets. I could go on and on and on about her expertise, helping people navigate career transitions. And it's just such a delight to have Lindsay here with us to talk about living an intentional life, which is what we're talking about on your new life blend. So hi, Lindsay. Welcome. So, Sean, it's so good to be here. Thank you for having me. Thanks for the nice introduction. I'm thrilled to have this conversation with you, just given your expertise and how much you speak to, I think, navigating transitions, right? It's like you're saying, helping people really move through the world of work and how it relates to life. And we're in such a moment. I think your insights are going to be really important. So I always like to start with a little bit of thinking back to February, March 2020. Where do you think you were going? Like life plans, goals? I know a lot's changed for you. I reflect on this a lot and I can like think of where I was sitting in that moment. So I've written several books, but my primary business is speaking. So I travel around to companies and conferences and universities giving speeches. And that is a very in-person business. And I remember my bookkeeper in January of 2020, when the news had just started, said, are you worried? about this COVID thing. I was like, no, of course, these things never turn into anything, you know, but I remember that phone call really well. And what subsequently happened was I was wrong. <laughs> and in a period of about two weeks, my calendar went from fully booked. I was actually projecting my best year ever. I had recently released my book, The Remix, which was about generational differences. I had just worked really, really hard on a personal level to raise my prices and, you know, kind of value myself higher. And I was getting these higher rates and I was working with the speaker bureau and it was like full speed ahead. And over a two week period, I lost over six figures in business, you know, and it was not postponed. It was, we don't know what the world is going to do. We're canceling. And people took back deposits. It was just about as scary as you can get. And it's funny because two things sort of happened in that moment. One was that this new book was born because I was in my apartment in New York City looking out the window. And truly, I'm terrible at book titles. Terrible. It's usually like the last thing I do. But I looked out the window and I saw cars. And I thought, this is like that moment when you're driving your car and you make a wrong turn, even traffic or whatever, and your GPS says recalculating. You can't go the way you were going. And I thought, it's like all of us are sitting here and recalculating. But in that same moment, and I think this is 20 years of therapy and coaching and, and reading, you know, personal development books and everything we're going to talk about today. I had that moment of like, wait, recalculating means there is another way. I just have to find it. There is something that can work. And I'm the breadwinner in my family. I, like, this was like, there's no choice here. Like, I can't wallow in this. I have to move forward. And the first thing I did was I started calling and texting people and saying, other speakers, what are you doing? And that was really kind of, you know, I'm not going to say I didn't cry and scream and, you know, have really dark moments. But I think because I've been through tough times before, I immediately thought, okay, 
we have to recalculate here and figure something out. And I'm not going to say that 2020 was my best year ever because it was far from it, but I ended up kind of okay from that initial crash. But it was, um, I'm not going to lie, it was a really scary moment. Right. You got yourself into action really fast, which is, you know, my primary defense mechanism. If there's a path forward, personally, if there's a path forward, if there's something I can do, I will do it. And against the backdrop of a pandemic, like there was a lot that was out of our control, for sure. Action isn't always the answer, but it sounds like it really served you in that moment. I agree with you. I'm not sure it was totally healthy because I think I, you know, put on my armor and said, okay, we're going to battle here. You know, I've got to make this work. But yeah, action kept me, I think, out of too deep of an abyss. Yes. Too much of anything is too much of anything, right? But sometimes it's what we need to do is figure out like what steps we're going to take, right? Which ironically, I think that was my word of the year this year was steps. It was my word of the year. Like just take it one step at a time, which I think it sounds like what you did. Like what's the first thing I can do, which is to take steps. So what changed then? Like what you got into action, you asked other speakers, sounds like that helped figure out your recalculation. I love that like lightning bolt to your brain or your heart about the title. It's amazing. Yeah. So a couple of things sort of happened right away. Number one, I was really glad that I've always been cautious and had savings. I dipped into my savings. So number one was that. And I, you know, I just want to put that out there that when people tell you that the first thing you need to do with your finances is to have emergency savings, they're right. So that was a, a little bit of a cushion. Number two, and this is sort of uncomfortable to admit, but I have a lot of long-term clients, particularly in the corporate world who I've worked with for years. And there were some that I called and said, Hey, Here's what happened. Do you have any business? Do you have anything you're planning? Can we do something? And it was a little bit embarrassing to have to kind of, you know, put my hand out and say, I need work. So I haven't done that in a really long time. And some said, hey, I feel for you, but no. And others gave me a little bit of business and the rates were a lot lower than I would normally charge. Um, but a few people said, you know, can you put something together on how to work remotely? you know, on how to deal with crisis. And I did. And for a couple of months, I sort of survived on clients who helped me. And I think it was two things. It was sort of being willing to kind of be vulnerable and say, I really, I need something and it's tough. And we've known each other a long time and you know, that I'll, you know, put something together that's good. And I think it was also people being generous and creative with the resources that they have. It And it also kind of reminded me, a lot of people ask me like, how do I build a business as an author and speaker? And my answer is always, we'll start 20 years ago. It's like the only way I know how to do it is sort of slow and steady. I'm not an overnight success in any way. And there are people I've known for 15 years and I called on them in that moment. And um, again, not all of them came through, but a lot of them did. And that was really meaningful to me. I love that you shared that because it's so honest and necessary. I mean, I don't know. My grandmother always said, like, if you don't ask, you don't get, right? And so, like, there is something to be said to the value of relationship building and that all of that time and effort that you've invested over the last 20 years is, like, being able to have real conversations with those people about what the moment and being able to hear a no. I think it's honestly just network marketing, right? Like, at its basic level. Well, what also came out of it is, and the ones who said no, it was certainly no fault of their own. They didn't have a budget, but some said, right. let's brainstorm a topic. We're not going to like make an event just so you can speak, but you know what? Nobody knows how to work remotely. Can you put something together? And I worked on it with these clients and that became a program that I've now offered many times because we did need that. So it also kind of innovated a new product. 
in a lot of ways. And then a couple months later, I was, you know, on the phone with my literary agent who said, you know, I feel like there's a book in this. And I had the content because I had developed it for these new programs. And that became the book Recalculating. So, you know, it wasn't sort of asking for a handout. It was getting creative, I think, about how to handle this particular moment in time. And I think it's pivoted a few times. You know, I was doing a lot of programs on remote work and now I'm doing programs on hybrid work, you know, because that's where we are. And that came from those relationships. And, you know, the other thing that comes to mind, and this didn't end up working out, but it was kind of might be interesting. I thought about university teaching, like an adjunct teaching role. And there was certainly a lot of that going on. And there's a particular colleague of mine who's an author and speaker. And I know that she does adjunct teaching at two very prestigious universities. And I had that dark moment of, well, that's because she's better than I am and people like her more and she's more successful, you know, and all that sort of negative self-talk. And then I thought, stop it. You know, that's not true. And I know her. So I called her and I said, hey, how'd you get those teaching jobs? And, you know, she told me, oh, I reached out to a hundred schools to find out. And I got two of them and I said, oh, right. It's hard work. It's not magic. And I did kind of have this moment of, You know, there's nothing I know, there's nothing I can control except my own willingness to do really, really, really hard work. And I'm willing to do it. And that was another, I think, really important shift of I can't control whatever is happening. We knew nothing, but I can control how many calls I'm willing to make, how many emails I'm willing to send, how many people I'm willing to connect with. And I think that made all the difference. So that was a really good reminder to kind of, you know, stop feeling sorry for myself that everyone else had it easier and realize you got to put in the work. Right. And I think it's such an important reminder, like everyone was suffering and struggling and trying to figure it out, except for the guy who made Zoom. And even he had to like retrofit it all to like, you know, all the things. Right. But I think, yeah, I mean, everyone was scrambling to figure out how to do what they do in the absence of really not knowing just to take us back. Like we all thought it was going to be a week or two. My biggest surprise is I remember saying to people, when this is over, we're going to have a drink or we're going to have the biggest party. And I don't think there's not going to be a day, right? Mm -hmm. Like VJ day or something where, you know, Mm -hmm. suddenly we're all in the street kissing sailors. It's sort of this slow easing out of it is really, really uncomfortable. It's like this tail that is long. And then we had a good old time again. And then, you know, there's just like this come close, get away kind of vibe with it. Okay. Well, I love how you recalculated to figure out how to put your professional life back together. But I also know that there was like a real personal earthquake. Also, I'm interested in whatever you will share about that, mainly because I think it's really interesting how you as an expert, right, in navigating recalculations and transitions and changes and pivots, how you really helped turn your tools, your teaching, your guidance to yourself, right? Yeah. No, thank you for asking so gently. It's the first time I'm I'm sort of talking about it publicly. So business started to turn around and things are going well. I got my book deal. I worked on my manuscript. My family, it's my husband and me and my daughter. She was, I guess, eight at the time or nine. And we rented a little Airbnb in rural Connecticut. We spent the summer there. Then school was starting again in September in New York. It was hybrid, but it was happening. And, you know, things were certainly far from normal, but we were kind of rolling with it and things were good. And we had this house as well as kind of a little escape when we needed it. School was kind of back and forth. And on the morning of November 19th, 2020, uh, still height of COVID, no vaccines, still really scary time. Uh, We woke up at five o'clock in the morning in our apartment in New York to the smell of gas and smoke. And very long story short, the apartment below us on the Upper West Side was on fire from a space heater. And we had to evacuate. 
and watched from the street as the apartment building uh, burned. Oh my gosh, Lindsay. And we are all okay. Nobody died. A lot of people went to the hospital. It was, uh, I think, a four-alarm fire. It was a very, very, very traumatic, dramatic scene. And Mm -hmm. if you've seen it in a movie, that's kind of exactly what it's like standing in your pajamas watching this kind of devastation. We were very, very, very fortunate that the near fire department were phenomenal. And there was a lot of damage, but we didn't lose everything. But in a moment, literally a blink of an eye, everything changed. And we drove to this house that we had rented in Connecticut as like a little escape. And we stayed for nine months. And we put my daughter in school in this little rural town. We had none of our things. I think we had, you know, just a couple of bags of stuff. And no friends. Your, your network. No friends, no network. Uh, thank goodness for Wi-Fi. And it was the hardest nine months of my life. Wow. And also, I think, a time of healing, but also isolation that was really uncomfortable. We came back to New York. We're not able to live in our old apartment anymore. It was destroyed. So we're in a new apartment. And, you know, there are a million things I can say about it, but I've always been a little bit I don't want to say overly professional, but I've always wanted to project professionalism and confidence. And I have a perfectionism issue. I remember when I handed in my first manuscript for getting college career, the editor said, have you ever made a mistake? And I'm like, oh, I thought people only wanted to hear the perfect stuff. And she said, no, people want to hear the warts and all. And I had this moment that I'll, I'll just sort of end with when we were driving away several hours after the fire to Connecticut to just sort of get out we stopped at a gas station to pick up sodas and food. We hadn't eaten all day. And, you know, we sort of said, oh, we should stop and get some waters and stuff. And I was in this little gas station grocery. And I remember looking around at all these strangers thinking, they have no idea what just happened to me. And I thought, we never know what anybody else is going through. And it was this huge moment of shift of two things. One was, wow, I need to have a whole lot more empathy because I have absolutely no idea what everybody else is going through because nobody knows what I went through. And number two, I need to talk about these things more and try to pull down the perfect image because all I wanted that day was to know that other people had been through such hard things and that it was going to be okay because I don't think I had ever had that level of conversation. And the empathy and the kindness and support that I have felt since that happened, it's just kind of blown my whole world and my whole self open. So I'll stop there. It's, I know it's a dramatic thing to talk about, but that's kind of where I am. I mean, it's a trauma against a trauma against, you know, and then like as a mom taking care of your kid and then your beloved, like there's just so many layers to how it impacts your world. But I think that's a really big shift, like going from like the <laughs> veneer, yes. the veneer of perfect and glossy and like everything's fine and everything's good always to having like a rotation of your brain that's like actually what would it be like if I were in this whatever this mini mart and everyone knew that I had just like lost my home in a fire what would that be like yeah one immediate change and it took a little while I was really uncomfortable being the one with the problem and I Mm -hmm. heard when we moved into our new apartment building someone said oh you're the fire family oh and I thought oh god Where's that family? You know, like it was so uncomfortable. And I thought, why is that so uncomfortable? It's okay. Really kind of delved into that. And so the the sort of immediate change, I mean, I think a year ago, I would never have talked about this. And and you were 
you and your producers were so gracious about, you know, whether I would talk about it. I, you know, I just did the Anxious Achiever podcast, more Aaron's Neely. I have pretty severe anxiety. I've been on medication. I have panic attacks. I've always struggled. I've never, ever talked about it publicly. And in recalculating and in my speeches, I've started to talk about my mental health. This is my daughter was diagnosed with PTSD after the fire. We've been dealing with that. I never talked about it. And I've started to, you know, it's not my topic. I'm not a psychologist, but I talk about my struggles with anxiety, my family's struggles with anxiety. And I cannot tell you the difference of ending a speech about career success. And people are like, oh, thank you so much. Now that I talk about it, the emails that I get and the comments are like, thank you. I struggle with anxiety. I thought I was the only one. I thought, God, I've been like wasting this for so many years thinking, oh, everybody wants me to be perfect. It's like, no, they want you to be real. And that's just been a, a huge learning. It's so uncomfortable. And I feel really inauthentic because I'm wearing like a lot of makeup and I'm all dressed up for this because I have a webinar later. Normally I would not be so uh, pristinely dressed, but it's been really uncomfortable, but I think really ultimately important. I agree. You just went ahead and answered, started to answer my next question, which is like, really, how has it shaped your offering to your clients, right? Like, how has it really changed? And it sounds like everything, like it's changed your lens, it's changed your approach. It's funny. I think you you nailed it. It's the lens. I think my content is still the same, but my lens on it is much more empathetic. I talk much more. The first chapter of recalculating is about mindset. And, you know, I think in the past I would talk about your LinkedIn profile and interview skills and, you know, so on. Now I start with, if you're not in the right headspace, we can't talk about interview skills and LinkedIn. So it all starts with you and how you feel about yourself and your career and so on. I think I would have just dived right into the tactical stuff. And now I take that step back and talk about everything that goes on behind the scenes. I have to imagine it makes your work and your offering so much more accessible and approachable for people who are consuming it, whatever format that is, where they're able to say like, okay, these are hard things that she's wanting me to do. And she's also acknowledging that it's hard and that there's life that you have to contend with too, right? I hope so. That's now more important to me, you know, that that people feel good about it or feel listened to and heard and and sort mm-hmm. of comforted as opposed to just, I know how to redo my LinkedIn profile. Right. Exactly. Exactly. If you just had a better LinkedIn profile, everything would be fine. But sometimes simple things that what's happening in your life, like redoing your LinkedIn profile and simple doesn't mean easy, right? It's work. Like you said, it's all work. So when you're thinking about the future, how you're going forward, how has your future planning for all of it, putting it all back together for yourself, how has that been shaped? by all of it, like everything you've been through the last. Yeah, I think there are a couple of outcomes and I'm still really working through it. I was thinking, I keep talking about we're still in the messy middle of the career story. And I think I'm still in the messy middle of my you know, experience over the pandemic and the fire, which are so linked together, which is so strange, is number one, I think mental health has to come first. And I think I would push through stress and push through burnout a lot more in the past. And now I have been, I think, more comfortable saying I can't make it to that event. You know, I just need a mental health day or I need to push that deadline. And I think in the past, you know, I don't know, the pandemic is different, but so I think number one is really prioritizing mental health as the critical factor. And I think watching my child 
you know, struggle has sort of impacted that even more than myself. Number two, that emergency savings account. I think I've gotten a little savvier about finances and knowing that you always think like, oh, that would never happen to me. We had really good insurance. And you know what? When you need insurance on your home, you really need it. And that partnership of having a good insurance company who knew what to do when something like this happened, there's very tactical stuff when you experience a fire or flood or anything to your home. And I was so grateful that my husband took care of it and worked with them, but they know what to do. And I didn't know what to do. And that was very powerful. So I think having good partners in that stuff, insurance and finances is really important as well. And those are very tactical things, but they were really important. They were grounding. I mean, you hate to pay all that money to insurance until you, and you hope you never need it. And it's like just a waste of your money. But when you do, boy, howdy. Everybody, <laughs> everybody yeah. check your benefits, check all the details and the nicks and crannies yeah. and, and all that kind of stuff. Cause it makes a world of difference. And I think the third is people. And it's funny. It just sort of dawned on me. It seems obvious. When the pandemic hit, I reached out to my professional network. And when the fire happened, I reached out to my personal network. And I think friends and family support was everything. Um, and I think ultimately, while it was good that we moved to a very safe place, it was very isolated. And I started in winter in rural Connecticut, which was challenging. But coming back, I just feel we were, we were talking before about, you know, a little meetup of the list that we're both members of. And those networks of people are everything. And I think we sometimes take people for granted, you know, and I am not going to do that anymore because people really got me through. We do. And I think social media and all the ways that we can be connected, you know, like, and feel connected, sometimes replace like actual connection. And I think that's been necessary and so life-saving during the last year and a half, but it isn't a replacement. It's for being actually in connection and knowing really what's happening with someone, right? So you're smiling. The other thing I did after the fire is that I went off of Facebook and Instagram. Mm. I did it for a while. And I realized that it was just too upsetting for me going through what I was going through to see people being happy or pretending to be happy or whatever. And I felt a little childish at the time, like, I don't want to see your beautiful home when I don't have one right now. I doubled out on LinkedIn because professionally, I, I really found it valuable, but am not currently. I didn't deact. I did the thing where you didn't fully get rid of it. But going off of social media and only connecting with people how I wanted to by text and by phone and in person has been one of the best things I've done for my mental health. I don't even know how to say how you're making the case for your new life blend, right? Like right, right there. Like, I mean, like talk about bringing it full circle, Lindsay. Thank you very much because I have to go back to your whole thing about the first point you made, which was that you're doubling down, like investing in like mental wellness is everything, right? And I hope your daughter's doing okay. And like, but really putting that you and your family's health and well-being first, but like, it's not childish to go off social media if social media is contributing to you feeling so mentally and emotionally unwell. Do you want to miss something? I miss the memes. And then sure. I was like, you know what? My good friends send me the best memes. So I'm really not missing out anymore. <laughs> my mom sends me the best. I can count on my mom for a good text meme. No question. This is not, if you get a good meme, send it over. I love it. That's really, to me, sounds like the perfect example of you making a choice about what is and isn't serving you and designing your life so that, you know, to cater to you feeling well, right? If anyone's thinking about it, I did it as an experiment. 
And so far it's been several months and I've never looked back. So I highly recommend it for anyone who's even considering a little bit of a break. Yeah. I mean, I think, again, those are all of these things I could pick up my phone. All these tools in our life are supposed to make our lives better and work better for us, right? And so we want to use these tools for good, not evil, like AKA destructive to our mental well-being, right? Yeah. Destructive to our overall well-being. And so when they're not serving us, it's like, I applaud you to make a choice around what's working for you and navigating your own relationship to it. And we will not judge you if you decide that you like Instagram and want to come back or miss it. Like, it's all good. It's about you making intentional choices that work for you. I'm surprised how hard it was to just do it. It's funny. Like now that I've done it, it doesn't seem like that big a deal, but it was really uncomfortable to just go against the grain. And I thought that was kind of an interesting way to think about it. Yeah, I think they're designed to be addictive, Lindsay. Yeah. <laughs> That's actually like... So I've baked. heard. It's, 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 I don't know if you're aware, but they're baked. it's baked in for them to get you to launch them over and over again. Okay, well, I have been hanging on every word that you've been saying. It could keep going. But I feel like a moment of how you have been thinking about your future and designing your life is a great place to end. So thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing so vulnerably. And I hope it felt okay for you. I think it's really valuable for people listening. So thank you for sharing that. So where do you want people to find you and buy your books? So Shana, I just want to thank you for opening up this conversation. I think it's important and there are not a lot of places that we can talk so openly about these kinds of things that I'm really honored to have the opportunity to do it. My website is lindsaypollock.com, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y-P-O-L-L-A-K. I'm very active and happy to connect on LinkedIn. And my latest book is Recalculating, Navigate Your Career Through the Changing World of Work. Awesome. And get you to sign my copy (laughs) when I see you in IRL for sure. Well, again, thanks for being here. Thanks everyone for listening. Please share your new life blend on social. Get your friends to follow. I love this conversation. I think it's going to be really valuable for people. I'm Shoshana Hecht, your host. This has been your new life blend. And just reminding you as ever to be gentle with yourself.